What's up, guys? This is Roland Buck III. I play Noah Sexton on Chicago Med, and you're listening to Meet Us at Molly's. Gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Hey everybody, welcome to Meet Us at Molly's episode 105. You guys, we made it to the end of the season. We did it. The finish line is right there. We're talking about the season finales tonight, if you couldn't tell, or today when you're listening to this, but wow, wow, what a set of three hours, right? I know, it's kind of crazy. I keep seeing people, I mean, everyone agrees that, you know, they were good episodes, but also like frustrating episodes, and some people really loved them, some people really hated them. I still don't really know where I fall, but time will tell on that. I thought it was a good mix of episodes and there were still a lot of twists and turns that I didn't see coming. So I was happy about that. Um, yeah, I was fine through med. I was fine through P- do fire. And then after PD, I was just like rage blackout. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know. There's frustrating parts of each one for me and we'll talk about those as we go through them. But yeah. So the good thing is, is we don't have any news tonight, which is great. So we can just like jump right in because I'm ready to pounce, even though I've had yeah. you know, 24 hours to like sleep on it and let it digest. I'm ready to pounce. So oh yeah, let's go. Let's go. We are going to start with Ned and we're going to start with Connor and Ava because this is the last time we get to do that. Or so we think. Uh. I don't freaking know. <laughs> Who knows anymore? <laughs> God. Okay. So Connor and Ava, first things first. Ava sees Connor and the first thing she says, she's like, I'm here for you. Seriously? After all of you two have been through together, all of the hell you two have put each other through, all of the horrible ways you guys have treated each other, and you're still there for him? The thing is that, like, blows my mind is that, like, yeah, Ava, so we think, has done a lot of terrible shit to Connor, and, like, he in a lot of ways has acted the way I think any normal person would have, you know, we thought someone was doing that stuff to us. But for me, what doesn't make sense is that, like, he's, you know, acted terribly to her. I mean, granted, you know, we could argue if that was, you know, worth it or not. But, like, at some point, when is she just going to say, you know what, fuck it. Like, I'm done trying anymore. She's not, which was... I mean, which, crazy. yeah, we get to later. But, yeah. like... The fact that she can still be there for him after all the shit that he put her through is just like, girl, you were better than this. I mean, yes, you were better than this. I mean, have you ever seen a more toxic ship on TV? Yeah, Not I can't off even the think top of, of my head. I mean, maybe... I feel like I've got I've seen something that's pretty close to this. It's just not coming to me. I really have to think about it. But I mean, this is the first thing that comes to maybe, my mind. Maybe Deborah and John on Dirty John, but that's like based on a true story. So yeah, that doesn't really count. No. No, these are they're pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty bad. These two are really, really, really bad. But the silver lining is we did get to see Nina. Twice. 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 
We were hashtag blessed. We were hashtag blessed. Although I wish it didn't take this long until Colin's presumable last episode before we got a Connor and Nina scene. I know. It blows my mind that, like, it took us four seasons to get on, to get a Colin and Nina scene. And Nina was, like, I don't think she was technically a regular, but she was a recurring star in, like, pretty much every episode of season two. Mm-hmm. Like, what? What? (sighs) There were, like, multiple moments during their scenes where I was just like, just make out. Just say fuck it and go make out. Like, it's the last episode. Go make out. Nobody cares. Story? What story? What (laughs) story? Cornelius who? Just kiss her. (laughs) Right. Who cares that you guys just theoretically met? Like, who the fuck cares? Who cares? Nobody cares. No. But we did get a pretty emotional goodbye between Connor and Cornelius and by between Connor and Cornelius, I mean it was really just Connor because Cornelius is dead. But, you know, yeah, Connor just said, he's like, I hated you. I blamed you for mom's death. I blamed you for so many things. And, but then he says, you weren't the best dad, but maybe if I'd been a better son, you'd have been a better father. This is the point. This is the first point of the night where I'm like, fuck everything. I'm throwing shit. Like, what the hell? The fact that that's what he thinks, though. Right. The fact that that's what he thinks, though, I mean, that he that the only way that his dad could have been a better father and more present in his life and all these things is that is he if he had been a better son. None of this is his that's fault. Not how, I mean, I'm not a parent, but like, that's not how that works. No, but it also breaks my heart that, you know, Connor is presumably carrying all that guilt with him. It's, he's carried it all the way through his life to his, his late 30s. I mean... Yeah. That breaks my heart. Poor thing. Guilt that isn't even guilt or shouldn't be guilt. Right. Like, it's nothing to be guilty over. It's not like, oh, he did something Cornelius and, you know, it just never really got back on track. Like, for all we know, he didn't do anything to Cornelius. He was just a kid that, you know, fell victim to a bad parent. Well, I mean, he was a kid just trying to process what the hell was going on with his mom. Right. And then fell bad to another, fell victim to another bad parent. Right, victim to a parent who was presumably grieving himself. Right, right. We don't know. I mean, we don't know. We don't know enough about this backstory. No, we really don't. But I just, it, uh, like, between that and Pat Halstead this year, what more could those two have wanted out of those sons or out of their sons? We will never know. I know because they're dead. Yep. Because it was a very bad year to be a father in one Chicago. And really on med, too. Yes. Like, more specifically on med. I mean, granted, Pat carries over into two shows, but really on med. We can say med killed one and a half dads this year. Yeah. But they both technically didn't Pat die on med. Yeah. He died on med. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, if you want to get real technical, it's like he died on leap year, though, because they didn't even show his death on med. It was, like, somewhere in between the end of med and the start of PD. (laughs) Oh, true. But, yeah, still. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So bad. Yeah. But my heart breaks for Connor. Like, he doesn't deserve any of this crap. No. No. No, not at all. But then... Nina comes down the hall and is like, surprise, your dad died of an overdose of insulin. A dun-dun-dun. Insulin, 
when he's not diabetic. It's not even just like he had a reason to be, you know, dosing himself with insulin. Like he has no reason at all. I, well, okay. Again, not a doctor. Just watch a lot of medical shows. I thought insulin was like part of the process when someone's heart stops. But this is why I'm not a doctor. This is why I just watch a lot of TV. Wait, say that again? I thought insulin was one of the drugs you administer when someone's heart stops. Now I'm trying to, like, picture medical scenes, like, scenes like that in my head. So Yaya and Brian did, like, a Jeopardy thing the day of the finale to, like, hype it up. And two of the things, like, Yaya put up, like, two medications and both of them I knew what they were for. So, uh, like, she would put up the answer and then Brian had to be like, what is... And so one of them was epinephrine, and I was like, ooh, ooh, what is the drug you give when someone's heart stops? And I nailed it. And then the other one was Ativan, and I was like, got it. You're such a nerd. I know I am. <laughs> I mean, I don't deny that. No, I know. Oh, I am too, but... But yes. It's so... just you, like, getting so cute about that. It's just adorable. Oh, uh, when I get excited about all sorts of nerd things. I don't know. When we get to the PD portion, you'll see. I did, like, major research today and felt, like, so happy about it. I was like, <laughs> yay! That was fun! <sighs> I know. All of a sudden, Brian, you're like, why am I going to see her in two weeks? Oh, God. <laughs> Less than two weeks at this point. Less than two weeks. I know, I know. Yeah, so Cornelius overdosed on insulin, but then they just kind of shoved that aside the rest of the episode. Like... Don't pay attention to that. Pay attention to this stuff. So. Which. I was going to say, which is why I don't think this story can be over. Right. Like, I feel like we have to see Connor again. We have like, to. What? Cornelius just overdosed on insulin. That's it. Who over. Somebody clearly overdosed him. Like, who? Well, yeah, there was no ending to that story. Like everybody else had like a cliffhanger, like a dot, dot, dot. Colin and or Connor and Avis was just like plunk. Like, that's it. Yeah. So I don't know. But Connor. But anyway. And Ava. But right. Both of them. They operated on Philip's baby. You know, she's having surgery. Whatever. Um, We kind of we're going to kind of like loop through Philip and then come back to Connor and Ava. Uh. But yeah, there was just a point where Philip's in there and he's like, he's just chill, just cool as the other side of the pillow. And Natalie's like, are you okay? Like, shouldn't you be a little worked up? And he just goes, it might just be because you're here, but I have a feeling everything's going to work out. Oh, honey. Oh, so naive. Yeah. And I mean, Allison G even said something similar. She was like, why didn't Philip seem concerned about its daughter? Like, it's not even just like a loved one. Like, it's your daughter mm-hmm. like your newborn daughter you just lost your wife like dude come on now right right i get like being calm cool and collected but like come on now no i could partially understand that though i mean you know after a bunch of bad things happen i could understand somebody kind of just like shutting down emotionally to protect themselves yeah but i i guess but still but that's but, not what he was doing i don't think no he's still a slutty lying liar who lies Oh, goodness. Yeah, and so he, he really did just seem detached from everything, which, again, I get it. You know, that's kind of how that goes. Um, but, yeah, so Connor and Ava operate, basically. They hit a snag sometime in the operation. I can't remember what happens, but Connor's wanting to actually 
take the safe route for once in his life. He's wanting to play it safe. And Ava's like the little devil on his shoulder. And she's just like, you know, I've seen you do things in the operating room that I didn't think were possible, which is really Ava speak for. I've seen you do some really fucking reckless shit in the operating room. But yeah, and she said, she's like, this is not the time to back away from a challenge. The one time homeboy wants to play it safe. She pushes him right back to it on a baby of all patients. Yeah, she's trying to stroke his ego. So, so, so bad. Yeah. So. It's really bad. It's really, really bad. So, yeah, of course, Connor saves the day because God complex, Connor, blah, whatever. And the episode ends for these two with Ava basically throws herself at Connor. And what she says in this scene really irked me when she's like, she says something about like, oh, my God, again, I'm really sorry about your father. But then she says, like, there's nothing stopping us from being together now. Whoa there, serial killer. I know. And it's still, like, we still don't really have answers on anything regarding her. Like, whether she and Cornelia slept together, you know, whether she did actually did do all those things, or whether it's still in Connor's head. But, like, this made it pretty fucking clear, I feel like, that it was really her. I I, I don't want to, like, agree with that, because I feel like, I feel like the writers are just like, this is what we want you to do. <laughs> you know? Right, so- yeah. In 501, they could just as easily be like, Connor's imagining things again. So I don't want to, like, fall for it. I just kind of want to, like, go along with the ride. But, man, she took it up a notch in that scene. What if this is so, I mean, this would never happen. But I'm just imagining, like, what if all of this is in Connor's head? Like, (laughs) everything is in Connor's head. And then he, like, wakes up in 501 and is like, oh, shit, I, like, what the fuck and then like goes off to something else and i don't know i'm just making you know, it up now but like you know what the, show, the entire show is in his head in his head like okay so uh you know the show dallas not the reboot but the original yeah i mean i've never seen it but yeah so i want to say that they did that in like an entire season like they went through like a whole season of crazy shenanigans and then the the very like this, the last episode the season finale was like patrick duffy waking up or something and the whole season was a dream I think it's the original dude. I'm just I mean, saying. Yeah, you know, I, I I'm just saying. <laughs> that would be funny. I'm though. just saying. Oh man. I mean, oh, they man. would never do that, but like, I'm just saying. Right. Because, like, I feel like they can't have thrown us that bone to make us think that it's con- all in Connor's head, and then go back on it and say, "No, just kidding. It was actually Ava." Which is why I'm like hesitant to say that. But at the same time. This makes it pretty fucking clear that it was Ava. No, I mean, but they could. They could no, certainly be like, it's Connor. No, but Ava. Sorry, just kidding. You know, they very well could. And it yeah. kind of seems like that's the way they're going because she basically throws herself at him. Connor's like, the fuck? And she just like flips a switch and she's like, you ungrateful prick. And then she tells him to rot in hell, which is kind of what I wanted her to tell him like a week or two ago. Right. It's all the things she needed to say to him. But like. Not after she said, basically, they could ride off in the sunset together and be happy. Time and place, Ava. But actually, though, and just, like, make up your mind. Like, two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, whichever episode it was, I don't remember, she's basically saying she hates the way that you call her a monster, that Connor calls her a monster, or thinks of her as a monster, and, you know, insinuates that she's a monster. Well, like, then why are you still in love with him? Exactly. 
And then why are you going to say that you want to ride off in the sunset with him? And then when he doesn't want that, be like, oh, you're, you're a bitch, essentially. And like, fuck you. Oh, God. Just what a disaster. It's so bad. But yeah, and that's so pretty bad. much how it ends. Like, that's what the hell kind of closure is that? I don't think there's closure. I don't think that. I think they're coming back. They have I don't to. think for like full season capacities, but I think they're coming back. Yeah. And here's why. Because then Jeff and Steve, when Jeff, we had Jeff and Steve on, which if you haven't go listened to that episode, go listen to that episode because there's still things you can learn from it, even though the finales have passed. But they were pretty much saying, you know, they were like, yeah, we kind of had a little, a lot of issues with the way that deadline thing came out and, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. And like, you know, they were kind of implying that like this might not be the last that we've seen of them. And I have a feeling that they just, they always knew they wanted them to come back for, you know, a couple episodes in the beginning of season five. And so they didn't want it getting out that they were done because they weren't technically done. Hmm. But that's just speculation. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. That makes perfect sense because given the because way... Because that is not... That can't be how they ended this. It really... It can't. No, it. it can't. That can't be. I mean, Ava aside, that's a really shitty way to write Connor out if that's the case. Oh, yeah. Terrible way. And we've also got to find out if Ava killed Cornelius. Right. There's just so many questions around everything regarding them which is a lot so yeah can't be over it can't be no it can't because even i mean i have a feeling they kind of wanted to to go the route that sarah went this season originally and then obviously it got screwed up when deadline was like hey by the way they're leaving and we're like oh shit Mm -hmm. that's how i feel like they wanted it to go out yeah yeah and by the end of the night i had some feelings about deadline stuff and what Jeff and Steve had said um just you know how they were talking about how it's getting really tricky to keep things suspenseful these days I definitely started to feel that as the night went on I was just like oh man I see that now well because I don't know if I would have necessarily I mean I still would have had the same the issues up until that point but with it just kind of ending abruptly I don't think I would have had an issue with that had I not been anticipating this to be their last episodes quote unquote yeah like, I would have had no issue of that if I didn't know that they were supposed to be leaving. Mm-hmm. Same, same. I would have been like, all right, that, you know, we can resolve that. But that was supposed to be their last episode. I was just like, seriously, that's seriously. Right. No. So I don't know, man. Fingers crossed, because that is just a really shitty way to do Connor. If that's the way he exits. One like the flagship of your one of the flagships of your franchise, right? Right. And on our like, social media, we had asked. We were like, you know, what are some of your favorite memories of you know Connor and Ava and Antonio? A lot of people said it was that that image of him from the pilot where he just comes like swooping into Med to save the day. Yeah, would be like imagine if they got rid of, you know, Jesse Spencer, Taylor Kenny, and like did him like that. Unacceptable. Right. Or, or, you know, um, like Jesse Lee Soffer. Like, 
it'd be the same thing. It would be the same thing, yes. Now, granted, in my head, there is only one acceptable way for Matt Casey to leave the show, should he ever, but that is another discussion for another time. <laughs> yeah, and I think I know what it is, but we'll you talk about that later. You probably do. <laughs> so... That's about it for Connor and Ava right now. I mean, I say right now because, you know, who knows? Who knows how we're going to come back to that? We've got to, though. There's, like, nothing. I don't know. Okay, so next in the outline is Maggie, but do we need to, like, come back to Maggie or should we cover Maggie now? Let's just go ahead and talk about Maggie now. It's not that much. Okay. Um, I think I'll just cut to the case. cut Cut to the chase. Shall I? Yeah, just cut to the chase. Does Maggie have breast cancer? Um, t- I don't know the science behind this, and I meant to look it up, and I don't understand. Yeah, okay, so Sydney, the woman who she donated her kidney to, she comes back in, and there's a tumor on her kidney. Now, granted, I thought she still had her other kidney, but is she just living off Maggie's one? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so there's a tumor on her kidney, and yeah, the the the... The science behind this is super weird because Maggie's like, well, what the hell? Because they had examined Maggie's kidney before they put it inside Sydney, and it was fine. Right. And Allison F. sent us a thing, and she was like, I didn't see that coming. Like, does she have the breast cancer and that spread to the kidney, but then didn't appear in the exam and then developed the tumor? Like, how does that happen? Yeah, like, can that even happen once it's, like, been transplanted? Or I feel like that's a Jeff specific question because I don't think that we'd be able to like find our answer that so easily on the internet no what would you even google right that's what I'm saying metastatic breast cancer transplant but then I'm sure a lot of horror stories would come up that would terrify us right yeah so Jeff if you're listening help us out clear that up please um please yeah yeah I, I, I was like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still just like speechless because if it is indeed, well, I'm also speechless that they were able to trace it back to breast cancer. I, I, but again, I, that, I'm not speechless about that part. I guess I'm speechless about that part only because I don't understand the science of how it got, how it didn't show up in the fam and spread in the first place. Yes. Yeah, this was like... I don't know. This was one of those where... They, they, yeah, you got us with the science this time, guys. Got I don't us. get it. But I thought... Like, didn't Jeff and Steve say that we were going to be like... Okay, they didn't say we were going to be happy with the Maggie news, but they made it sound like it was going to be happy. Kind of. And then it wasn't. Yeah. I guess the thing that, like, really... No, I don't even remember. Just let's keep going. Oh, man. Just why you got to do our girl like this? Not cool. Not cool. But actually, no. I mean, not that there's a plus to this, but Marlon Barrett's going to act her face off next season, and that's going to be awesome. Yeah, and it's nice, even though it's cancer, that she's getting, she's going to presumably get more screen time. Yeah. Because she deserves it. Yeah, she does. So... Okay, um, Manstead. Mm. <laughs> oh boy. Oh, Manstead. All right, so. <laughs> oh man. I'm like, okay, start from the beginning. 
So they made a patient call back this time. They brought in an old patient. And I love this one. This was the couple where she was deaf and he is going blind. And so they're going to be each other's eyes and ears. Other way around. No, no, you have it right. No, you have it right. You had it right. You had it right. You had it right. Yeah, because he has a cochlear implant, but then he was going to, he was starting to go blind. Right, 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 right. Yeah. That's what I, I, yeah. I just pegged them in the outline as the eyes and ears patients. Which is probably not the best way to peg yeah. them, but like they were. But great. even like, yeah. Well, even like with Sydney stuff too. We were texting about it. I was like, I love that this is. I mean, not every patient was a callback, but I love just that. Like when they like when they do that, like it's mm-hmm. so cool. Yeah, yeah. This was really good. And so, basically, and I don't remember the guy's name, but he like sensed a, a heart murmur or something. Like just sitting with her, he just like heard it, and so he made her come in, and it turned out to be something. It was a really, really good call, like really good callback. It was good to see those two again. But elsewhere, while Natalie and Will are doing that, Ingrid comes in and turns out Tim Burke's out of prison. Yay. Because of course he is. Of course he is. Of course he is. He's the son who was like kind of freaked out by the whole thing. Like Will was trying to say like, you're a good guy. Don't do this. Don't do this. And he kind of listened. So, but he's out of prison on good behavior. But then, of course, the first thing out of Ingrid's mouth, she's like, the safest thing for you to do is going to be to relocate out of state. Um, get out of here, Ingrid. Nobody asked you. Bye. Shoo. No bad news. But the thing is, it's like, she's probably right, though. No, she's completely Unfortunately, right. but like, you know, it's like, yeah, nobody asked you. Get out of here. Yeah, she's completely right, but get out of here. Shoo. Uh, there was also a brief little handhold there before she uh, started launching into her bad news. I don't know if you caught that. That was a little cute. Just a little, not very much. I did not. I did not. It was quick. So we saw Dr. Latham. And Dr. I know, Latham- I'm surprised. Yeah, same, same. Um, Dr. Latham knows ASL because of course. Of course she does. Of course. Not only that, but he tries to learn a new language every year. Again, of course. Is there anything this man can't do? Nope. Nope. No. Listen, I would never root for an actor's show to get canceled, but if the code does not get a season two, I'm just saying I won't be mad if he comes back. I don't think he'd come back, though, because of Connor. Connor and Ava are gone. You are right. Damn it. So even if the code got canceled, I I mean, you know, I love it, too, because I love Latham, and I think there's a lot that still has yet to be explored about that character, but, like, he's not coming back. Damn. That sucks. Sorry to burst your bubble. <sighs> that was the bubble. <laughs> so, <laughs> the couple is back, you know, back on Natalie and Will's patients. Um, basically, the, the guy, and I can't remember his name for the life of me, I'm sorry. He's kind of beating himself up over a couple things. He and his wife want to have a baby, but they're just like, how are we going to do that? Like, we can't do that. And Will just starts spewing, like, all sorts of wisdom. Just. Yeah, because he thinks he's about to leave, and this will be the last he ever sees of anybody. It's like you literally never know which Will is going to show up on a given episode. Like, are we going to get good Will today? Are we going to get whiny Will? Are we going to get jealous Will? Which Will are we going to get this week? Oh, Will. Oh, William. I know. So cute. But yeah, so he just tells the guy, he's like, none of us get any guarantees in life. We just face what comes. And just like, wisdom. Wisdom everywhere. The hell? And so he and Nat have a moment at some point. I think this is 
still inside the hospital, but they're basically talking and Will just says, Will's like, I guess when you've already been through so much together and then Natalie finishes the sentence and just goes, nothing else scares you. It was just like, oh, look at this. It's a, it's a whiff of old school Manstead. That was so sweet and cute. Probably their best, most like normal instance they've had in like half a season. Yeah, yeah, that was the most normal interaction we've had since the mid-season finale. I didn't cringe at all. Yeah, I was just like, oh, this is nice. This is why people like them again. I forgot. Yeah, 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 because, I mean, when they're good, they're really cute. That Yeah, they were, like, early season three, they were great. No, season four. This is season four. Season four, they were great. Yeah, yeah. But when they well, fight, it's issues, like watching two no. toddlers. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's bad. But basically, Will is like, Will has this moment of realization. He talks to Ingrid. He's like, I don't want to move. I'm tired of being afraid. I don't want to run away. And Ingrid's like, Well, I was kind of hoping that was going to be because of me, but it's not. Okay. She handles it well, but like, bye. Bye, Ingrid. I was just about to say that she, she handles it really well. Yeah. Because um, I think she knew. She always knew deep down, you know? Like, she was around, like, she knew who Natalie was, like, and that they were about to get married, you know? Yeah. It's not like she didn't know what his past relationship history was. It was like, Natalie, who's Natalie? Yeah. Like, yeah. she knew what she was getting into. Sorry, Ingrid. We hardly knew you. Bye. Bye. Literally. Literally, yeah. Literally, bye. Bye. So, back on Philip for a second. This guy, I swear. So he's super chill about his daughter going to surgery, right? And then he's like, hey, Connor, like, let me just make a wingman out of you. Surprise! And he's going to propose to Natalie. What? Why? I know! <laughs> Why? Oh, I know. And I see that ring, and I'm like, may I please take you back to the Chicago PD season three finale, four, season four finale, yes. Okay, let me take you back to the Chicago PD season four finale, okay? Proposing in the season finale of season four does not go well. It never goes well. Don't do it. Season four of any show, don't do it. Who proposes the season four finale of Fire? What was the season four finale of Fire? Isn't that the Grant finale? Grant with the knife? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. I think it was. Okay, well, nobody got engaged, but, like, come on, Linstead, ghosting. No, I knew what you were talking about, but you said any show, and I was like, well, what about Fire? <laughs> I mean, I think two out of but, but yeah, many no. shows in the universe But, yeah, are. two out of three. No, I know, but still. Yes. Unless, but, yeah. I just, I don't get it. Like, why? Why? Unless you want your girl to ghost you on a bridge, don't do it. I just, I didn't see that coming. No, me neither. Maybe I should have. But, like, I don't know what I thought was coming between Philip and Natalie. Not that, though. I felt like it was really extra. I think it's just Philip trying to assert his control over the situation. So you still think he's got, like, a dark, shady side? You don't? I don't know if it's a dark, shady side or if he's just fucking clueless. 
I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I still also want to, like, Natalie still doesn't know that he just outright lied to Owen. Yeah, but to Natalie, I feel like that's not going to be a big deal. That he lied about owning a fucking ranch? It's Natalie, dude. I mean, she picks and chooses some weird battles. I mean, I guess, but like still, like, she doesn't know. You know, who knows what else he's hiding or lies he's told, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That's just one little example. Yeah. So so Homeboy's about to propose, basically. He, like, reaches in the bag, takes out the box, and Ingrid comes in clutch with the best timed interruption ever. Oh, my God. It's so good. It was so good. It was, like, the best timing I've ever seen. Yeah. You the real MVP for that, Ingrid. For real, though. You the real MVP. Like, Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So she's like, excuse me, gonna interrupt. Don't really care. Takes Natalie out of the room. And she basically just said, she's like, Will loves you. He's brave and devoted. You'll never find another guy like him. You'd be a fool not to take him back. Literally the best timed interruption ever. Not only did she get him or she get her out of like what was going to be a super, super awkward situation, but she delivered a very important piece of news. Well, and even beyond that, like, her point was, yeah, to tell her that Will loves you, but it's not like she just went in there and has been like, Natalie, Will loves you. Like, she was also trying to get Natalie to help her convince Will to leave for his safety. Yeah. Because he's not safe in Chicago, as we As we know, yeah. Yeah. So, like, that was more the important point, but it was just like, yeah, we just hit, like, a, like, triple home, home run. Grand Slam. I don't. I don't know my baseball terminology that well. I'm trying to like three run I'm homer. To, that's not it. I speak all. a little baseball. Wouldn't it just be a home run or is a home? No. Well, okay, home runs well, four well, runs. Never so mind. she she interrupted four runs. She, she interrupted the pro, the proposal. She right. told Natalie that she or that Will still loves her. What other good things did she do here? She tried to help get Natalie to help save Will's life. And she handled the breakup pretty well. We can call that a grand slam. That's four good things. But I don't even think that's the right terminology. That's what I'm saying. I don't know the terminology. No, it is, though, because if you're at home plate and you hit a home run and all the bases are loaded, you get four runs. I told you, I speak a little is baseball. Is that what a grand slam is? I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I speak a little, okay. little bit of baseball. Okay, I'm trusting you. Don't make <laughs> me look like an idiot. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. Sports people. Sports. Sports, sports, sports. So the last thing with the Mansteads, last, sort of the last scene of the episode. No, it is the last scene of the episode. So Will's walking but to his car. the biggest thing. No, it's totally the biggest thing. Argue. No, it's totally the biggest thing. Totally the biggest. So Will's walking to his car. There's foreboding music. I'm like, fuck, what's about to happen? I'm thinking of all the horrible things that can happen to him on the roof of this parking garage. So far, so good. He gets in the car. You know, he backs out whenever somebody knocks on the window. Oh, shit. It's not. We're good. Will's like part of the way backed out of this space, though, right? Like he's he's not in the space, but he hasn't backed out all the way. Like he's kind of just sticking out in the space. And so Natalie crawls in the car, doesn't shut the door, keeps the door open. And she's like, hey, heard you're staying. Cool. Like they have a conversation, whatever. And you see headlights. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. This is going to end badly. Headlights, like, turn around the corner. Basically, the car hits Will. 
Natalie goes flying out of the car because she didn't shut the damn door. And Tim Burke gets out of the car looking like a zombie from Walking Dead. And he just kind of is like, and he looks at Will and just collapses. Now, while this is happening, Will's like, Will's cut and he's okay. He's a little dazed, but he's just kind of watching Tim. And I'm like, hello, Natalie, on the ground, on the concrete next to you. Pay attention. Hello. (laughs) So he waits for Tim the zombie to keel over before he's like, oh, fuck, Natalie. And it's basically a super dramatic moment where he's just like holding on to Natalie and he's like, I got you. And then Natalie passes out. But there's a lot of blood on Natalie's head. Like, that looked bad. Yeah. It looked real bad. It looked bad. Real bad. This is like a combination of season one One Tree Hill where Lucas and Keith are in the car accident and like season four, season four. For One Tree Hill, where Haley gets hit by um, Rick Fox's character, whose name Dante. I cannot remember. Dante. 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 And that's yeah. funny. That's just hilarious that you say that, because the minute I saw the headlights, like that Ray LaMontagne song started playing in my head. Like, you know, the song that's playing when Haley gets hit by the car. Oh, man. But that's like, it's like a combination of the two. No, that's what I think. 100% is a combination of two. But let's think about this. Like, let's think about the mechanics behind this, okay? So... A, how did Tim know that Will was parked on the roof of the garage? And B, who assaults somebody on the roof of a garage? Or, like, who decides to take their car and ram it into somebody else on the roof of a car garage? Like, I don't... Do you get what I'm trying to say? Not so much with your second question. Your first question, I don't know. But that's... I mean, my guess is he's just been watching Will. Like, as soon, as soon as he got out of jail, he's been watching Will the whole time. And, like, knew what his car looked like, knew his license plate, whatever. And, like, he's just been waiting for him, essentially. You think he's friends with Ava? Can we not? <laughs> <laughs> Can we not? <laughs> Bye, Gina. <laughs> okay, but if I'm going to attack somebody, if I'm going to get revenge on somebody... I'm not going to do it on the top level of a parking garage. Why not? Well, I'm, at least I'm not going to ram my car into their car. If I'm going to do it on the part on the top level of a parking garage, I'm probably going to do something stealthy, like try to shoot them and run. Have you seen Tim Burke? Well, yeah. Remember, he was the nice brother in the midseason finale. But I'm saying he is not... The definition of stealthy and quiet and, you know, any of that stuff. True. But, I mean, ramming your car into somebody else's car isn't very stealthy either. But he seemed drunk. Or infected by a zombie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, he's he's definitely on something. I think we can, like, the way he stumbled out of that car, that's just not just from him ramming it into it. Like, he was, something was wrong with him. I'm imagining him driving up to the top floor of the garage, like that scene in Wolf of Wall Street. Did you see Wolf of Wall Street? Mm-hmm. You know, when he's, like, whacked out on Quaaludes and he drives the car home and he's like, somehow I did it. And then the next day you find out he actually was, like, crashing into shit and it was, like, a disaster. That is what I'm yeah. imagining. And getting. The, I mean, that takes some coordination to get to the top floor of that garage. I really thought, though, he was going to shoot. Like, they were going to get shot. Yes. That's what I was anticipating. I was anticipating him to take a gun out when 
Like, he basically got out and, like, zombie stared at Will. That's what I'm saying, is that, like, I thought there was going to be shots at some point, but there were no shots. It was just that. It was just that. Natalie looked bad. Yeah. Real bad. That was a lot of blood. Oh, yeah. Now, Twitter was pretty good with humor today, though. Um, I read a tweet from, I want to say it was from Kathleen, and it was just a tweet that was put out there. And she was like, I think Chicago Med's going to go all, like, the vow or 51st dates on Natalie. I got a pretty good laugh out of that. Yeah, which, oh, I hated the vow, which is surprising. I hated the vow. I didn't like the vow. I love 51st dates, though. I think that's super cute. Yeah, 51st dates is great. The vow, which is surprising because it has Channing Tatum and Rachel McAdams, but, like, not a good story. Let's talk about how extra this video would be if Will had to make her a video to remind her of who she is every morning. <laughs> it would be so cheesy and so cute and so extra. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, now I'm, I'm just, just trying to imagine. Yeah. I'm yeah. Imagining that AU fan fiction. But it's funny now because, like, when the vow was made, obviously, like, vlogs weren't really, like, a big thing, mm -hmm. obviously. But now I imagine it in, like, today's, like, vlog style. Yeah. It would be too funny. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That would be really funny. Yeah. <laughs> what would just have his phone and be like, morning, Nat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And then every morning, Nat's just like, who are you? <laughs> Well, and of course, he would get so big because he'd be posting them on YouTube, and he gets so big at some point, he'd have to, like, throw in a sponsor every now and then. So he'd be like, hey, Nat, today's video is sponsored by Blue Apron. And... <laughs> Amazing. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so, but Natalie wouldn't build a little house out of waffles, would she? She'd probably play like Operation Maybe, every morning instead. Of, yeah, instead of like making a Waffle House, she probably like plays Operation. Yeah. <laughs> and who's the, uh, you know? And, okay, so oh, what is that actor's name? Um, not Adam Sandler, but his friend, and his friend who's in like every single other Adam Sandler movie, and he's got the kids who like flip off the dock. Hold on. I know who you're talking about, but I'm looking it up. Um, his face is, like, right here. Uh, I can't think of his name. Hold on a second. Rob Schneider? Rob Schneider, yes. So who is that in the Chicago Med World? Is that Jay? I mean, I guess it's gotta be, but... It's not Connor anymore. What? Say that again? It's not Connor anymore. No, not Connor. God, I love that movie. That movie had a kick-ass soundtrack. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. But what's the med version? What would we, instead of 50 first dates, 50 first surgeries? That doesn't flow. 50 first surgeries, lol. <laughs> okay, oh, that was fun. But yes, moral of the story, Natalie looks really bad. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Elsewhere across the hospital, Ethan and April. Bryna, do you want to take us through the rest of med? Yeah. So Ethan and April are officially back together. Okay. 
Sure. I'm glad they clarified I mean, that, though. I guess I expect... Yeah. I mean, I expected this, but, like, okay. You just get back together, no talk. I mean, I'm sure they talked about it, but, like, okay, sure. It was almost too easy. Yeah. Well, then, of course, like, even Bernie and Emily are back together, too. Like, are we not just going to ignore the fact that Emily said she was, like, halfway out the door to St. Louis or wherever the fuck she was going and made it to St. Louis, whatever it was, and, like, is now back and, like, everything's back to normal with Bernie and Emily, too, which is, like, huh? And so, of course, though, we're at the hospital and April and Ethan are working together again. And their patient was a little – it was interesting – I mean, essentially, their patient had crazy hives, and his wife had Alzheimer's, and then there was a third or a third person in there, another woman, and you know, we end up finding out that they're a thruple, but like, that whole case was weird. Okay, when you say thruple, it makes me like laugh slash cringe. Have you seen the show on MTV? How far is too far? The one that Nico hosts. No. Okay, so the whole premise of that show is that, like, two people choose tattoos for each other, right? And there were these two friends from, like, New Jersey, and it was a super uncomfortable episode, and people might know what I'm talking about, but basically this girl tattooed on her friend, like, something really kinky, and the the question was, like, do you want to do a thruple? Meaning, like, her and her boyfriend and the other girl would do, like, they would be, like, a threesome couple. So when I hear thruple, I'm just like, oh, God! But, hmm, TV. Your face right now is amazing because it is so not impressed. I I don't get I I can't get behind this. <laughs> I can't. Oh. Let's spell. I can But then of course it's funny because we were talking about this too in our text that like this storyline of course kind of parallels the Bernie and Emily situation. Mm-hmm. Because of course Bernie and Emily end up at the end of the episode like telling Ethan in April, they're like, We want to have you over for dinner. You know, like, we have a plan. And Ethan's, like, skeptical. But April's like, no, we're going to go. You know, it'll be fine. Turns out they're not going full thruple, or at least I don't think so. But, like, they're moving in with Bernie's wife and daughter. So it's going to be, in that household, it's going to be Bernie, Emily, Vincent, Bernie's wife, Bernie's daughter. Because that's not awkward at all. Like. I facepalmed so hard. It's so bad. So bad. So bad. I don't. I don't. This cannot be good. And just because it worked for the couple in the hospital does not mean it'll work for them. Right. And April's like, it's, you know, it's probably good. You know, like they were trying to convince themselves into it that, you know, like it's good. It's stability. You know, Emily hasn't had a, had, had a lot of that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, yeah, but you guys haven't figured out your own shit yet. Right, right. They haven't figured out their own shit. And plus, I mean, how... There's no way Bernie's wife is completely okay with this. But she seemed... I mean, they were having dinner together. So uncomfortable. I... I just... I don't... I I don't... I know. I know. I don't even know. And then that scene in the kitchen when April was essentially just like, Ethan, just keep your opinion to yourself. Just... I, I know. I know. I can't. But that's not even the biggest thing regarding Ethan and April. 
No. Because, as we find out from April, she's late. Like, late on her period late, as Ethan wants clarification, because, you know. April's late. They might have a baby. Okay, but Laurel brings up an excellent point. How could April potentially be pregnant one or, like, they only just got back together. Yes. And if she's just now finding out she's pregnant, which means this is her first period she's missed, as far as we know, they did not have sex, like, four or five, six weeks ago, whatever. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, TV time. I don't know. I don't know. No, but we know that it's been longer than that since they've had sex. I mean, it, it, it could have been weeks for all we know. We don't, I mean, again, TV time. No, but didn't, because we were talking about the same thing with um, Jeff and Steve, and we were like, how did they go from making out to, you know, or getting back together from even saying that, you know, he hate, you know, he thought he, she was, like, accused of murder or whatever. And Jeff and Steve were like, oh, yeah, well, it's been, like, two months. Hmm. Yeah, you know, know, like, that. a lot, you know, you can get over things in, like, two months. And I was like, yeah, you can, but I don't know. I mean, I don't think, maybe I'm overthinking this and maybe Laurel's overthinking this, but, like, she said that I was like, but she's right, though. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I mean, they she... haven't had sex in a while. No, but she could be late because of anything. We could get to 501 and her be like, oh, I'm so stressed out. Or, oh, I've been traveling. She could be late for any reason. Right. But I'm saying if they were to actually go the pregnant route. Mm -hmm. Like, that baby can't be Ethan's. <gasps> Whose would it be? But that's what I'm saying is I don't think she's actually going to actually be, end up being pregnant because that would make no sense. Even was with Vicky. I mean, I wouldn't complain if she I mean, ends up actually pregnant. No, I'm not saying I would complain, but like it just story wise makes no sense once you sit there and actually think about it. Right. Yeah, no, I wouldn't complain. Um, and even if it was like or some, you know, ended up in some random way being Ethan's baby. Like, I wouldn't care. Um, like, I think they'd be good parents, as we saw last week with Vincent. But, like, still. It was just once Laurel said that, I was like, wait a second. Yeah. That's not a bad point. No, not at all. No, but I think they're in a good place where they could be parents if that is the way the story goes. I think they would definitely put aside all of their differences and get it together. Yeah. So. But yeah, that's how that storyline ends. Yep. Go ahead and take us through Dr. Charles and Caroline. Okay. So, pretty easy. I mean, you know, at the beginning of the episode, you know, they're engaged. And, you know, Dr. Charles says, you know, I get Caroline always wanted a wedding in Hawaii, but that obviously didn't happen the first time around and so now dr charles is going you know all out and gonna get her you know first class tickets and they're gonna go have their wedding in hawaii and robin 
is a little hesitant about this, not about the wedding part, but about her mom traveling to Hawaii because she's not, Caroline's not doing well. Derek Charles is like, no, it's fine. I'll have a first class everything. And Robin's like, yeah, no. Like, just no. But then throughout the episode, he starts to see, he starts to realize that maybe Robin was right. And ends up making it happen, though. They get their Hawaiian wedding. Is that at the same bar where Noah's grad party was? I think so. That's cute. (laughs) But, and they end up getting their Hawaiian wedding after all. And it's Robin's there and Sharon's there and some other person. Who who was that person? Oh, I I can't remember. Um, That wasn't Dr. Charles's mom, was it? Oh, my God, it was. Oh, my God, I forgot about her. Yeah, because when she hugs Caroline, she's like, it's so nice to finally meet you. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that storyline. Oh, my goodness. Dear Lord, was that this season? Yeah. Was that the first half of the season? I think so. It was when Caroline first came back in because something. Caroline just came back in, though. Yeah, it was it was like the beginning of that because he had mentioned I think it maybe it was to Sharon that he had mentioned that he hadn't spoken to his mom in like three decades. Oh right. Shit, how did we not ask Jeff and I've literally forgot about that. So yeah. much has happened, clearly. Yeah. Damn. That's I'm happy Damn. to see that they like repaired stuff though. That's really good. Yeah. And I mean the only happy ending we've gotten will really got it all for anybody. Pretty much, yeah. I, I shed the one, like, the one teeny single Dean Winchester tear at the wedding. I was just like, oh, that's so sweet. Just the, the, the only Chicago med ship we deserve. For real, though. For real. Yeah. Any other notes on the med finale? No, I think that's, I mean, yeah, I think that's it. I felt okay about this finale. Like, I, I was just kind of like, all right, I can live with that for three and a half months. I can live with that for three and a half months. I'm just, I still have a lot of questions, though. Right. About, especially Connor and Ava. Yes. But I, yeah, I can definitely live with, like, no one's life, well, Natalie's life's in peril, never mind. That sounds bad, but I can still live with that. Yeah, yeah, I could live with that. That's fine. So, moving on to Fire. So we got a couple moving oh, parts Lord. here. Fire was, uh, this was good though. There were a lot of things that I was like, oh, I was not expecting that. Okay, cool. I will, that, cool. So I was actually pretty happy with the fire finale. You're face palming though. So tell me why. Why do you think I'm face palming? Right now, I'm probably thinking because I, I don't know. I really don't know. Am I driving you crazy? That could probably be why. No, we'll talk about it in the second section. The Fred K- I And also the ending. How can you be happy with the fire finale with that ending? I'm not happy with the ending. I'm just, I can live with it. You can live with literally everyone's life in 51 in Jeopardy. Because we've done it before. Okay, but this is a different level of Jeopardy, though. Like, literally every single person. There is not a single person safe right now. Yeah, but, like, literally everybody was in peril last time except for Gabby and Brett and Bowden. Yes, but that is still Gabby, Brett, and Bowden. 
I mean, I don't know. I can live with it. I was okay with it. I'm just saying, although I'm just saying, Captain Tony's name was not on the sweep scorecard, so they still might be alive somewhere. Just saying. True. Very true. That stupid scorecard. The but, minute that call happened, I was like, we are going to be cursing the scorecard tomorrow. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's even worse when you lay out. Yeah. Just the worst. The worst. So we'll but no, the real thing is the Brian Casey stuff, but we'll let's start with Severide. Oh, yes, let's start with Severide. Okay, so... Severed and the arsonist. Nobody's listening to him, basically, is the gist. I can't. Why is nobody listening to him? I, I don't understand this. It's making me frustrated for him. It's because everyone thinks he's only doing, I mean, not only doing it, but that he's so, he can't detangle solving the case because it's what's right and that he's like thinking clear headed, like, which is what he's doing. But like, people can't seem to figure that out or whether it's him trying to avenge Benny's death in some kind of way. I feel like we've never seen a situation where the personal has interfered with Kelly doing his job. Now, has he ever, has he made dumb decisions because Stella's been at risk? I know Stella's done it for him. Um, not because Stella's been at risk. Well, he tried to. Oh, when she... Uh, when in the, the two-hour movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, when he was like, screw this. Um, yeah, he one. tried to. But in general, Kelly is really good at keeping the personal and the professional separate when it comes to not letting that interfere with his job. And I mean, Kelly is so good at his job that... Like, why Why wouldn't you let him, you know, throw his energy into this? He's going to solve it. You know he's not going to stop till he gets it done. But right. just that people were not listening, like, they weren't willing to listen to what he had to say. I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like, you know who that is, right? Right. He does his job better than Arson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which we find, you know, he get, he ends up getting, like, essentially an offer from OFI, but, like. That I totally thought he was going to take out of the way. Nah. 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 Tyler Kinney still got two more years on his, or another year, two years, whatever his new contract is. I, well, I thought when, when he opened the door to the cabin and was like, you deserve a better man than me, I thought the next sentence was going to be like, that's why I decided to take the job with OFI. Uh, yeah, no. 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 That ended so much better than I thought it would. But... Yeah. So Stella's like, I'm helping you. End of story. That's happening. And Kelly's like, well, okay, I'm cool with that. That's fine. So the arsonist basically burns a car with a homeless woman inside, which like that is some sick and twisted shit. Um, But yeah, Mm -hmm. the the episode just goes on and, you know, Stella and Kelly are trying to solve this arson. Hubble sucks at her job. She's not listening to him. Blows my mind. But at one point, they're researching, and Stella's just like, you know, the last time you had that look in your eye was right after Benny died. Now, the look in his eye was basically, he just like looked up, and the light caught him at just the right angle, and it was total Severide eye porn. But whatever. I've done my job. I've pointed out the Severide eye moment. Anyway. Um, yeah, so Hubble sucks at her job. But then I think the most interesting part is when they go to the husband's house, and they go to talk to him. 
And Stella is basically trying to relate to this guy through the story about Grant and how she's just like, yeah, I basically devoted everything I had to helping him and it just completely drained me. Now, this to me sparks a deeper Stellaride discussion because what does that mean for them going forward? I mean, the way that the way that Kelly was listening to her, does that mean that he's not allowed to have any weak moments if he's with her? No, I think he just, I think what Stella was talking about was more of like an equal give and take, right? Not saying that Stella can't be imperfect because we all are imperfect, but that when Grant, when she was with Grant, Grant took advantage of her Mm -hmm. and, you know, it was not equal. Like he was in a dark place, which is fine. And Stella was willing to help him because she loved him and she married him. But like... She was giving 80% while Grant was giving 20 is what I think she was getting at. I mean, I don't feel like he took advantage of her when Benny died. I feel like he just went back to his dark place. Right, but there's still an imbalance. No, but there's still an imbalance there. It's like they're still in a relationship and he's in a dark place, which is fine to be in a dark place. That's fine. But you still can't just go in a dark place and shut yourself off and still expect Stella to be there when he gets back or when he's ready. And that's what, in a way, that's still improper imbalance in a relationship. Even if it's just temporary? Without talking to her, yeah. You can't just shut yourself off and be like, not say a word and expect Stella to be there waiting for him that is a slippery slope to me especially with kelly because just knowing how kelly is right but if kelly said i think all she needed to hear was like hey i'm not okay right now but i don't really want to talk to anyone like you know something along those lines and i think she would have been okay so you think but like go ahead no i should say but like shutting out without saying in a word really and thinking everything's going to be okay in a way is like taking advantage of her so when he says i decided i'm going to be the man you deserve i mean does that basically just mean that he's going to try to communicate more yeah and be the better you know try to be the best man you know the the best man that he can i can see that i think i think i'm just kind of empathizing with Sev I don't know why I just am but like he has weak moments he's an emotional dude he has a dark place that you know he retreats to and so to me hearing Stella talk about Grant and you know their their breakup earlier in the season it just seems to me like the minute things get even remotely difficult for Severide if Severide hits a dark patch where maybe it's like a week or two Stella's just gonna peace out but the thing about that, it's not it's not just her piecing out because he's in a dark place. It's her piecing out because he's in a dark place and not saying anything and like almost refusing to admit that he's in a dark place. Like in denial. Like I think their breakup from earlier in the season is not again, not because he was in a dark place. Like she, you know, she's willing to be there for him to a certain point, but like not if he doesn't, A, want her help, and B, says he's fine when he's not, and C, you know, 
won't talk to her about it. He did kind of check out there for a little bit. I will give that. Right. And, like, I mean, I'm definitely guilty of this to a fault. You know, sometimes, like, when things get hard, like, going in my corner and shutting out friends and family and whatever. But then I've also had period, like, bad periods of those relationships, and they didn't go so well. Right. And, you know, it takes them a little time to get over that. Um, because that's not fair to those people that I'm sh- – even though that's how I process it and I'm trying to be better about it, but that's not fair to the people that I'm hurting in the process. And it's not fair to Stella. And I think Sever, I finally realized that. And he's like, listen, like, I can't guarantee that I'm not going to have these dark moments, but, like, you deserve better than that. And yeah. you deserve a better man, you know? Yeah, and I mean, it kind of ties into Allison's question that she asked. She said, what do you think Severide means by saying he's going to be the man Stella deserves? And I guess that is, you know, communicating more and maybe – being more open and forthcoming with his emotions, at least where she's involved. I mean, she's not asking him to open up to Casey or like the entire firehouse, but maybe just to her or communicate more. So maybe that's Well, she's not even, I I don't even think she's asking him, like if he needs, you know, like we said, a day or a week or whatever to like process something's going on. Okay, fine. But like, then tell her that. Like, I don't think that's, you know, a big ask either. Is it like, hey, I'm not ready to talk about it right now, but, like, give me a couple days and I will be. Or I'll try to. Okay. I could see that. And I think, I think Stella would be okay with that. Okay. Yeah, this is the middle of the finale that we're in right now. And the middle is, like, perfect, is it not? Oh, my God. It's It's so good. It's perfect. So, yeah, so... Sev doesn't show up to Molly's. Stella's like, peace out. I know exactly where he is. Drives her ass to Wisconsin. And this whole scene goes down where he says, you know, you deserve a better man than me. So I decided I'm going to be the man that you deserve. Cut to Stella. Oh my God, the best time. Yeah, the best. The best stellar. The best stellar and sexy time. The best line. Like, oh my God, everything about this moment is just so good. And we got to see the morning after where they're like totally blissed out and happy. Oh, my God. And shirtless Sev. It's just it's all so good. I know. And Kelly's just like, good morning. And Stella's just like, that was perfect. Like, yes, that was completely perfect. I did not expect that at all. Me neither. That's why I liked this finale because there 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 were happy moments, too. I was just like, oh, OK, we're not just super tense the entire time. Right. There were definitely happy moments. There are some other not so happy moments. Right. But yeah. But the Stella rides are back together. Thank God. Thank God. Yes. About time. Is it too much of a hot take if I say that Stellarite is the fire ship that we deserve? No. Okay. I'll go with that. Not at all. Because I think they're arguably right now the main one. They're just so good together. Yeah. Severide's grown oh, so much. Hot. I know. It's kind of crazy. It's totally crazy. Goodness. So, the Brent and Casey-sized elephant in the room. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. I know. I know. Okay, so, the first call right off the bat, like, we're pretty much setting up the B story that's going to be, like, pretty hilarious. And a car just comes crashing right into 51. No big deal. Normal day. So basically it's this kid and his mom's in labor and 
basically the mom was like drive to the firehouse and the kid who's like maybe 10 or 11 drives to the firehouse total badass this kid can join chicago fire the next generation when it's like little nathan and terrence and how many other kids um not all of her a few a few yeah this kid can totally join the next generation because what oh for sure yeah like yeah I, i don't even think i could see above the steering wheel at 10 so smooth totally smooth but I would say that the second best thing to Severide with kids has got to be Casey with kids. Oh, my God. I love it so much. Like, Severide with kids is number one, of course, and then Casey with kids. Yeah. Who just knows how to handle them? I don't know. Yep. But there's been a lot of backlash about it lately. Have you seen that? Yes. Although I think the backlash is more not about Casey wanting kids, but about Casey projecting his feelings about kids onto women and, like, the women in his life. And, like, that's the only reason he starts relationships. Okay, now that you phrase it that way, I'm like, that makes perfect sense. That's what I think. That's how I've read the backlash. Ew. That's a follow-up question. Which I don't agree Eric. with. But... What? We'll phrase it into a question somehow. But that's got to be a follow-up question for Derek. Okay. We're not. I don't know. Well, because I'm thinking, I'm like, how? Think, we... yeah. How? Yeah. I don't, I don't even have an. I don't have an explanation or an answer for that. But what do you want to learn from Derek about that? I mean, obviously, the easy thing would just be to be like, does Casey project his feelings about kids onto women or however you just phrased it so perfectly? But that would be a weird question. He'd be like, I don't fucking know. He wouldn't answer that. No, he wouldn't. Yeah, now that you phrase it that way, that makes perfect sense. And I have no response for that other than, oh. Damn. Okay. Something to ponder over the hiatus. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So there is a pretty cute scene between Brett and Casey. Not Brett and Casey. Brett and, well, it's Brett and Casey and Foster when they go to the hospital to basically sort out this whole thing with the call. Um, Brett is not really making hard eyes, but she's just kind of like, you know, watching him, talking to him, just the way she's interacting. Uh, basically, if Foster just looks at her and is like, just jump him already. Which was kind of funny that she just kind of put it point blank. Um, Yeah. Brett's like, yeah, I'm not sure that, you know, he feels that way about me. And then Foster goes, you're a freaking 11. Who wouldn't want you or who wouldn't want you to jump them? Hell, I want you to jump me. Squad goals, man. Such a supportive bunch. But there's a lot of Brett and Foster love on the internet. Like a lot. Yes. And like a lot of people were like, I don't know who tweeted it last night but the scene where um Casey initially comes over to ask her on the date in at the Ambo and like Foster's there or whatever and somebody was like if I didn't understand if I didn't think you know if I didn't know the show well enough I think they're trying to set up a triangle between Brett Casey and Foster oh my god I don't see it but each one's own I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Brett and Foster do something maybe next season. 
I wouldn't be opposed to it. No. No, 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 no. Okay. I cannot get behind that. Cannot get behind that. Alrighty. Alrighty. But to each one's own. To each yeah. one's own. Yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, Casey needs to find a dinner date. Bowden scored some ticket to some charity dinner, and Donna told him that he can't bring Maltra Herman. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I love it so I love much. so much. Yes, that's so great. So he picks Casey. And so he's like, okay, well, Casey needs to find a plus one. So we're pretty early on in the episode at this point, right? And so Casey's just kind of looking out and he sees Brett. And I'm just like, okay, so Donna's going to be the one to thank for Cassette. All right, I can, I can roll with this. I can work with this. And then it just <laughs> kind of unravels and falls apart. But yeah, so good old Kyle, the chaplain, shows up at Molly's to see Brett specifically. He's moving to Indiana, basically. And Brian is already facepalming. Casey sees them together, Mm -hmm. immediately assumes that they're back together. And Casey and Brett have like a kind of awkward conversation where Casey just like can't form the words. And he's like, oh, you're really good together. Yay. And then Brett's just like, uh, thanks. Uh, He's saying enough words that you know, like, at a time where she can't get her words in. Yeah. Either. Yeah. Because Casey's just, like, nervous talking. Right. Bless his heart. He's the cutest thing in the world, but, man, he is so awkward. So awkward, but it's adorable. No, but it is adorable. It's absolutely adorable. Yeah. So, the chaplain then shows up at the firehouse later and asks Sylvie to marry him. And she says yes. What the fuck? I can't even. Ugh. Oh my god. Somebody did tweet, and I did laugh a little bit at this, and somebody tweeted and was like, listen, Dossie got engaged in the same spot, and that didn't work out. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, the tea, the tea is so hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. She said yes. I know. I was not expecting that at all. No, 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 no. So I had a theory earlier in the day that I ran by Bryna, like a what if. And I thought you liked it, right? You thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I would have been down for that theory. Okay, so my my theory that happened like right before the finale that I was like, all right, this could be funny, whatever. You know, sometimes half of the time I come up with theories and I'm just like, that's funny. I was thinking, what if Casey and Brett decided to go after those airfare, airfare deals that Casey had been talking about and, like, run off to Europe together for the hiatus? They would have had such a hot summer. Oh, my God. It would have been so great. Could somebody please write that fic? Oh, my God. Yes. Someone way more talented than us. Not that we're not talented, but not in that realm. So. Casey and, or Casey and Brett in Rome. Casey and Brett in Paris. Like. Oh, my God. Stop. Gina. <laughs> I can't handle it. I've already stop. Brent is very done with me tonight. Amazing. Uh, but then, why were we talking about it this afternoon? What were we saying about Casey and Brett, and why I went on my little rant? What did we? What were we talking about? Um, I don't know what like sparked it, but it was you had a really good point. I mean, go say it. Yeah. So. I'm trying to remember why we were talking about it. I don't remember. But anyway, 
here's my thoughts on the whole thing. I don't think Brett said yes. It was off a tweet. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't think Brett said yes to the chaplain because she loves him and, like, wants to be with him forever. Like, yeah, was she maybe, like, does she still maybe like the chaplain? Of course she does. But, like, she didn't say yes because she wants to be with him. She did it because she's having a hard time accepting the fact that she has feelings for Casey and she thinks he doesn't like her because he was like, oh, yeah, you and the chaplain are good together, blah, blah, blah. And so rather than get her heartbroken even more by coming clean to Casey and being like, you know, you know what? I have feelings for you. She kind of took the easy route and took the safer route and said yes to the chaplain. Because if she moves to Indiana with the chaplain, she doesn't have to see Casey and face her feelings for him. Ding, ding, ding. Mic drop. Mic. And also, the first thing I thought of when we were watching this was there are slight parallels? I mean, not to- it's not totally perfect, but there are definitely slight parallels to the whole April Kepner, Matthew Jackson season nine, season ten storyline on Grey's. Like there are slight parallels there, and that's exactly what I thought of when I was watching this. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Because, like, even watching it back, like. She didn't look, you know, she doesn't look that excited. Like, you know, she's not overly joyed by it. Right. Like, you know, she just kind of looks content. But even then, like, you know, they're having that conversation in the kitchen later on. And it's like, you know, Casey goes over there and he's like, you know, wow, you know, what, what, like, what happened? And, you know, that whole, like, they're having that conversation. And she's just like, yeah, you know, yeah, like, you know, if it wasn't for you, I thought I was thinking a lot about what you said, and you know, but she's not excited about it. No, she's not. She's so not. I think she just, I think she said it because she's afraid of her feelings for Casey. She doesn't want to act on them, even though she wants to. So how long do you think this engagement lasts? Mid-season. Mid-season? Okay. Um. I did laugh very hard at another tweet. I saw somebody said, how long does the engagement last? And somebody else replied completely deadpan and just said 801. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think realistically it goes till mid season. Um, but that's just my, I guess cause I'm thinking it in like, in like chunks and like, it just would make sense for them to, you know, something to happen in mid season that like breaks up. Bring Chaplin once and forever, once and for all. That. I could see that, but then that also means that they tease us with Cassette for the entire first half of the season. <sighs> but like, I've accepted that that's just how it's going to be. Like, I have it, but I have. Hmm. I'm okay with um, it. I just know that the bulk of fans are not. Well, the bulk of fans aren't happy with any of the Cassette stuff. So truth. Yeah, but I really like this comment from Allison G. She said, you know, she's talking about Casey, and she was like, you know, poor Casey, the look on his face watching the proposal. I think this demonstrates how smart Derek and the writers are because Casey clearly being interested in Brett now, put, but obstacles preventing them from being together is making me more invested in their relationship. Yeah. Which I hope we're bringing on more and more people into the cassette train. There's still plenty of room. There's so much room. But. We we just we have an expandable boat. We just we took it from a tugboat to like a sailboat. What would you say it is now? Like a sailboat? Yeah, it's definitely a sailboat level. We're not at yacht 
yet, but we're slowly making our way there. We're getting there. Yeah. 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 But I just. (sighs) I know. I know. I mean, that it definitely took a turn that I was not expecting. I did laugh a little bit when Severide comes out and Severide's like, what the hell's going on? And Casey's like, I think Brett and the chaplain just got engaged. Yeah, because nobody could believe it because nobody could believe it. No. Severide was all of us in that moment. Yeah. He's like, wait, what did I miss? Uh, I I think they just got engaged. Uh, I'm not sure. So the Brett and Casey saga continues. (sighs) At least it's not dead, dead, though. Right. Right. But... I really was hoping that obstacles would be something different other than a different person. Like, I really wanted my friend's theory to be right, but, you know, still. Remind me your friend's theory? My friend's theory being, that, like, so it's um, being, it being similar to the way Monica and Chandler got together, that, like, this is, like, they hook up or kiss or something, and then they're like, this is so wrong, but, like, we can't stop doing it. And, like, you know. More of an internal obstacle. Right, right. Okay. Do you want to take us through the B story and the final call? Yeah. So the B story is pretty simple. Basically, the episode opens, Cap's wearing his shirt backwards. Because of course. Because of course. And Ritter doesn't notice it. And so Herman gives him grief for not noticing it and being like, dude, that's the perfect time to bust Cap's balls. He's wearing his fucking shirt backwards. And Ritter's like, you know, I don't really care about that, whatever. So then Herman, of course, takes it upon himself to teach Ritter how to bust balls. <laughs> and accordingly, according to Herman, the things that are acceptable to talk about are clothes, food, talk, appearance, music choices, pretty much everything except for age. Age is the only thing that's not acceptable to talk about. Which is really, like, I think, I feel like age is the only thing we roast each other for. And we don't even roast each other. Well, the funny thing, because, like, so they're, like, talking about it, and Mouch agrees, and Herman, they're like, yeah, age. And then Cruz is like, what about religion? You know, gender, sexuality, you know, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they're like, no, just age. And she's like, oh, my God. Oh, man. Dear Lord. Um, and then, like, they even at one point bring Cap in, like, dressed horribly. He's got something, like, black in his teeth. Like, I mean, just, like, wearing a hat, like, upside down and sideways. Whatever. It's, like, so great. And I don't even remember why he was talking about, but, like, he was even just said, like, he said bitch and Van Halen. Like, it was just, like, all these things. And just like, we are not worthy of Cap. Like, we really are not worthy of Cap. We don't deserve Cap. We really don't, though. No. No. And what about when he tries to roast Sylvie? Oh, my goodness. Oh my god, it's and yeah, he's like you're skinny, and Foster's like what you, you know, you messing with my girl, and he's like no 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 nope, and then of course he like finally kind of gets it when, when like he ball bust Bowden yeah, dude, I could have told you no, not to just, bust no. Bowden. Yeah, I could have too. As soon as he started talking to Bowden too, he like turned around. I was like, oh no, it's like oh. Ritter. Ritter. Oh, just, funny. but the, it was a really funny. It was a good one too. Like you said, it was a good comedic relief, aside, like to relieve the tension of everything else. Yeah, yeah, I loved that B story. They could have gone. They could have poured that on way more, and I would have loved it. That was so funny. Yeah, yeah, and I 
Allison made a Allison G made a really good point. She was like, you know, I kind of love that Ritter failed in every way possible at busting balls, and she's just like, you know, he's been just such a great addition to the show this season, and I completely agree. He really has. Yeah. So this last fire of the season, yet another factory fire, <laughs> because we like to be tortured, apparently. Yes. yes. And the, how the fire actually started, nobody, it doesn't really matter. Pretty much, basically, what ends up happening is there's some kind of valve pressure thing that is about to go off. And, like, basically, if that goes off, I'm assuming gas, it's got gas in it because, basically, if that goes off and explodes, then everyone dies. And so Ritter and Herman are down there trying to put that out, put that fire out. And then in a different part of the factory, there's a door that's locked and that they can't get open. But, of course, there's people who are still alive in there. So that's what Severide and Cruz are dealing with. And at one point, Bowden says, like, to Severide over the radio, he's like, you, like, this is a mandatory evacuation. Like, you got to get out there. And Severide being Severide's like, yeah, no. So then Casey's up there with Bowden. And... This is my favorite thing. He literally says at one point to Bowden, he's like, I'm going back for Severide. And he's just like, oh, my God. This is the real OTP of Chicago Fire. Yes, forget this what I said before. The real OTP. Yeah, forget what I said before. Casey and Severide is the ship we deserve. But actually, though. Yes. And then at one point, like, Casey was going to go in it down by himself. And, you know, Mount says, like, we're in this together, Captain. And I'm like, oh, my God, all the tears. For real all the tears but even at that point before Bowden gets into the factory fire there's he's up there like outside with Casey and Brett but because there's all these smoke inhalation victims Casey not Casey and Brett dear lord Foster and Brett Foster and Brett have to then come down in there too and Bowden does too so literally everyone in 51 is trapped in this fire in this factory literally yeah. Oh, and the other thing is, too, so Ritter, back at the Ritter and Herman stuff, Herman tells Ritter to leave. Herman's like, get out of here, kid. You've got your whole life ahead of you, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, get out of here. And it looks like Ritter's going to take him on that advice and leave for a second. And he basically ends up, like, turning around and, like, psyching out Herman and, like, goes to grab something else and, like, comes back. And he's like, I'm not leaving you, like. And I'm just like, oh, my God, all the tears. I feel like that's, like, the best usage of an episode title like that translated to a line of dialogue as an episode title like better than I've ever heard another line of dialogue translated just because like he comes in and he sprays the water and just like throws everything he has behind it and it's just like I'm not leaving you oh my goodness it's so good but then the last thing it like fades on is it looks like that thing the valve pressure whatever it is like looks like it's about to go off but it doesn't go off yet and it just fades to black i think that's why i can live with this call it's because nothing exploded nothing burst we just don't really know how it left off gina gina (laughs) gina 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 (laughs) just because you did not see it does not mean it did not happen i know but so yeah, do you think everyone lives? Nobody yes. dies, right? No. No. 
Because everyone's under contract, so everyone has to come back. <laughs> yes. No, somebody legit, I don't remember who it was, but I definitely saw that in her tweets. And somebody was like, everyone's under contract still, right? And I was like, yeah, thank God. Yeah, I think we're okay. I'm, I'm, I think we're okay. Again, I think that's why I can live with this is because I don't feel like anybody's going to die and we didn't technically see anything explode. I mean, I'm okay with it. I can live with it. I mean... Yeah, and I had another thing to say off of that, and now I'm just completely blanking. I can't remember what I was going to say. I hate when that happens. Yeah. Oh, no, I know what I was going to say. I feel about this call like I do about some, like, really dense episodes of PD. I have no idea what happened in this call, okay? No idea. I just knew it was, like, the Oh, very... yeah, that doesn't matter. Well, I knew it was, like, the very end, and I was like, okay, just get to the cliffhanger, get to the cliffhanger, get to the cliffhanger. So the mechanics of it all, how there were people, like, storming them to get out, and then how, like, a ladder fell at one point, I was, like, glossing over it, because I was like, I just need to know the cliffhanger, what's going on. So, yeah. Yeah, that part doesn't matter, so. Yeah. So that's But, yeah, where... that's where we are. Yeah, and grade, like the, literally the entire cast of Fire is on the scorecard as possible fatalities. Except for Cap and Tony. Yes, yes. And then Natalie's Dear. on the bottom of the list like, hey guys, I'm here too. <laughs> Dear Lord. They're literally half the list. There's 24 spots on that list and one Chicago takes up 12 of them. I know, it's crazy. Not cool, not cool. Also, I saw Jughead was on that list on Riverdale. What did they do to poor Jughead? Um, I, it's a future flash. It's a future, it's a flash forward. As far as I know, it's a flash forward. Dang. They're like burying his beanie or something like, I don't know. Not the beanie. I don't know. Goodness. I don't watch. So I just had to go off recap that I edited, but I still don't really understand because I'm not caught up. <laughs> I keep meaning to, but I'm bitching yeah. things. Yeah. So any, not worth notes, it. any other notes on fire? No. I wonder what the first episodes of season eight are going to look like. Oh my god. I can't wait. I know. All right. On to PD. Bryna, let's take a breath. Let's stretch it out. Oh lord. Because, yeah. Again, Med and Fire, I was like, I can live with this. I can work with this. By the end of Fire, I wanted to throw shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was bad. And after I got off Skype with you, I texted Melanie in, like, a fit of rage. And she was like, just let it out. Let it out. It was just, it was funny. Is she still watching? No, but she lets me yell about it. Okay. And then when I tell her what's happening, she's like, what? So, yeah, it's great. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so we start off Antonio's boxing. Another thing ship that we forgot about. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot about that, too. Yeah. I wonder if he still owns that gym. I don't know. Hmm. Probably not at this point, but who knows? Yeah, who knows? Hmm. So the whole thing is that Internal Affairs has officially taken over the investigation. And so Ruzik's like, well, what do we do now? And Voight just goes, we fight back. So I got kind of frustrated at this point because I was like, there's too many damn acronyms. Last I heard, COPA had it. Now IRT has it. I don't even know what the hell IRT is. And so I went down the research rabbit hole and had a little fun. So COPA is the Civilian Office of Police Accountability. They typically have jurisdiction to conduct investigations of officer-involved death incidents as defined by a different part of their code. 
Now, IRT, if I research this correctly, works hand in hand with COPA. IRT is the investigative response team. Didn't quite get a good look at their job function, but I think they work hand in hand. IAD is the internal affairs division. So it looks like what it is is that COPA and IRT investigated the circumstances of Rizzo's death. Internal affairs came in to investigate Ruzik's lie. So I think IAD focuses on officer conduct and then COPA and IRT focus on the crime itself. I don't know. I just, gotcha. I had a little fun, okay? I started and then I was like, I can't stop. I just keep researching down the rabbit hole. Yeah. No, you're fine. You're good. So that probably was like clear as mud, but whatever. Um, yeah. So the whole gist here is that they're going to go after Kelton's fix-it man because Kelton's got pretty much like a guy on the inside, basically, in the gang scene, right? Eh, I don't. I, again, not as important. Not as important, no. So they're trying, they're basically trying to get on, they're trying to find his fix-it man so that the fix-it man can flip. And it just doesn't happen. Doesn't the fix-it man end up dead? Mm-hmm. In the shooting that gave us that upstead, upstead scene? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, again, that's yeah. important. Okay, so basically, the whole episode, Internal Affairs is like, listen, Ruzik, we know the deal. There was another person at the scene. We know who it was. Just admit it. And Ruzik won't, he won't roll. He won't say anything. And it comes down to the final moments. Oh, this breaks my freaking heart. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so Platt comes upstairs, and Platt's just like, listen, IAD is here to arrest you. He's, she, she's like, they couldn't come up. I told them you would come down. And the team is like, no, absolutely not. And Ruzik just takes it in stride, puts his jacket on, and he's just like, don't don't worry about it. Like, I'm going to go. You guys stay up here. Cool. I think it's important to note here, he is not going down for the murder. Not going down for the murder. He's going down for misconduct and obstruction. So he's basically going down for lying about what happened and refusing to roll on Antonio. I think that's like the gist of it. But oh my god, the final minutes of this episode were so emotional. Wait, 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 wait. Before we get into the motion part, though. The misconduct... So the misconduct isn't for the, what he did to the guy. Not saying that he's going down for the murder, but not... Like, misconduct isn't for being... Pushing the guy off the... The... Whatever that was. The building. Out of the window. No, because they know he lied. And so I think the misconduct is for, I just had it in my head. Yeah, that's where I don't get with, I understand the obstruction part, I don't understand the misconduct part. I think the misconduct is not rolling, and the, the, the misconduct is not rolling on Antonio and Voight because he's withholding information. And I think the obstructing is the lying about it and, you know, whatever he did at the scene when he, like, because they, they got that picture of him, right? Um, whatever he did after that. Because didn't he take the gun or something and put it in a certain place? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. But, and I, because, I, like, when, when they came upstairs um, and Platt was like, no, they're here to arrest you, he looked at her and he was like, misconduct, right? And she was like, yeah, and obstruction. I think, hmm. I don't, I, Okay. I, you're just, you're the lawyer. I, okay. 
I know. I'm, I'm, I'm going off what you say. <laughs> I'm the lawyer in Texas who knows way more about Illinois and criminal justice than a Texas lawyer should. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so this arrest just like broke my heart into a million pieces. I just, yeah. Like, and that scene as it progressed, I was like, no, 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 no. What the fuck is happening? No, stop it. Like, it got worse and worse and worse. And so, oh, God. I, like, where do I even start with this? We'll start from the beginning. Start from the, while he's still in the bullpen. So he's in the bullpen. Burgess and Atwater are like, we're going to come down with you. And Ruzik's like, no, I'd re- really rather not that happen. Like, I'd rather you guys stay up here. I don't want you to see me like that. And there's just so many feels. Okay, so as he's leaving, he pats out water on the chest, and it's just kind of a, like, you know, you're my boy, that kind of thing. He hits the door frame on the way out, which Brian and I know, like, just made you super emotional. Oh, my God. I Like, that was the moment that, like, broke me. You think that was scripted, or you think that was Patty? I think that was Patty. My heart. But that's, like, what broke me. I was like, oh, my God. I know. The door frame. Because, like, this job is everything to Adam. Yeah. Oh, my feelings. My feelings. And then Platt is like, listen, like, you really need to listen to me right now. You know, make sure that you keep your head down more so than usual. If they deny you bail, if they do this. And or Adam just stops her and kisses her on the cheek and says nothing. Oh, my God. I know. Oh, my God. I know. Oh. And then they cuff him and they put him in the car and away he goes. Our sweet, precious Adam. I, like, want to cry even right now just talking about it. I know. I definitely woke up in the middle of the night last night at, like, 4 a.m. thinking, like, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened to Adam. (laughs) And then immediately went back to sleep. But, yeah, I mean, and... It got progressively worse because they showed him being booked. They showed him, you know, in prison. They showed him, like, you know, handing over his possessions. I was like, stop. Like, this is our sweet, precious Adam. What is happening? I know. It's... I, I can't even. It hurt a lot. A lot. Ugh. Okay, so we're going about this in kind of like a roundabout way, right? So we're starting with the arrest. We're going to kind of like work our way back around. Okay, so let's talk about Antonio's exit. And I say exit in air quotes because if this is it, the writers did him dirty. John Seda deserves better. Way better. So much better. So you're taking Antonio Dawson, this cop who basically has like a super intact moral compass. And yeah, he's in the middle of a fall from grace and everything, but our last image of him is that his friend goes down for murder and the last picture of him that we see is him getting high in the car. I, I, I it disgusts me. I I hate I hate it. I hate it. This is a guy who helped set up 3 of the 4 shows in this universe. Yeah. And that's how he is one Chicago. He's he is one Chicago. Yeah. That's not a way to send him off at all. No, not at all. Which makes me wonder if they're going to do the same thing like that they're going to do with Colin and Norma. Maybe is to bring him back in the first couple episodes. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. 
I really thought like because the, the minute they got the scoop about Heller's daughter being a prostitute I was like okay this is how he's gonna go down he's not gonna like he, his moral compass is gonna stay intact and he's gonna fess up to the murder that's how it's gonna go but no Ruzik basically continues to take the fall and Antonio just sits there and does nothing yeah I you know it's funny I was so much more fired up about this yesterday when we recorded our like thing to just let all our feels out and now I'm just like I'm I'm just pissed like I'm just pissed yeah like I don't really have anything else to say like I'm just pissed yeah, I'm not as pissed about the Antonio thing. I'm still more just like, really, seriously right now? Are you effing kidding me? Now, last night there were a lot more F-bombs being thrown. Oh, yeah. But I still just can't believe that that happened. No. Now, right. immediately following the finale and like the, the minutes after, I mean, I did go so far as to call Antonio a coward. But I don't... I think the thing... Go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say, I don't think that's quite accurate, though. Somebody did point out, though, I mean, for for an addict, you know, when things get very stressful and traumatic, they are prone to relapse, um, which I understand. So I don't think he's a coward. I think emotions were just running really high when the episode finished. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, I think, and we were something we were talking about last night, was I think the thing that bothers me the most about this is that... If this is if this had just been any other storyline and like Antonio sat in his car and got high, I still would have been annoyed. But like, okay, fine, he's coming back next season. Okay, fine, next season we'll hopefully fix it. Whatever. This is not the way you write him out. No. And it also just annoys me too because if this is how they chose to wrote him write him out, I want to see the whole decline. I don't want to see him decline around nine, ten, eleven. You know, and then come back to the intelligence unit and act like everything's fine and like us not know anything about it. And then like once this stuff picked up again, it's like, what the hell? Right. Very, yeah, very disjointed. I think yeah. if they had, I think even if they had handled this exit, air quotes, differently, I think I still would not have been as mad about, you know, dropping it after the midseason and then picking it back up in the penultimate if they had handled this exit better. But I don't want the last images I see of Antonio Dawson being him getting high in a car. It's just, God, they ruined that character. They ruined, yeah. Even him fessing up to the murder would have been a more complete arc. Yeah. Yeah. Because somebody mentioned it. I'm trying to, um, who found it? Oh, Allison G made a really good point. She said, she, you know, I thought he would confess to prevent Ruzik from going to jail to show that he was better than Voight and wouldn't let what happened to Alinsky happen to Ruzik. Instead, he went to get to, went to his car to get high, um, you know. And then she said, as great as John Seda is, like, if this is what they're going to do with his character, then maybe it's for the best that he won't be coming back next season, which is unfortunate, but it's true. It's unfortunate, but I've got to agree with that as well. Yeah. It's messed up. So Vicky tweeted pretty much a one sentence like summation and she nailed it. She said, Adam threw his life away for Antonio. He did. Yeah. And for me, I still can't figure out why. Like it makes no sense to me. I think he probably thinks it's because Antonio has not more to live for than him necessarily, but you know, 
Antonio's the one with the family that we only on occasion see. But, like, Antonio has a reason to, like, live. Not that in, not saying Adam's going to die or that Adam does it. But you know what I'm saying? Like, Antonio has kids. Like, there's more than just Antonio at this point. Right. So, if we take... I mean, there's not, but there is. Let, okay, so let's look at that Rusik and Antonio scene then. Taking what was said in that scene, do you think that this whole situation is less about Rusik protecting Antonio and more about protecting Voight? Because Antonio says in that scene, he's like, we're not close. You don't even like me most of the time. You think this whole situation is more so about Adam protecting Voight than it is about Antonio? No. I think... Adam's using what he learned from Voight in that you always protect family. Okay. Like it doesn't matter. It does it doesn't matter whether he likes him or not. Like anyone in intelligence is family. And that's always been Voight's thing too, is like, you tell me what you did so that I can cover for you. So you think this is Adam's way of doing what Al couldn't? Wait, say that again? Oh, no, I'm sorry. You think this is Adam's way of doing what Voight couldn't? Voight couldn't protect Adam. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing what Voight always told him to do, told them to do for him. You know, tell me exactly what you did. I won't be mad. Well, he might be mad, but, like, I won't be mad, but just tell me what you did so that I can lie for you. Hmm. This is such a crazy situation. That Rizik and Antonio scene was almost odd, right? Like, Antonio was like, you don't even like me that much. What the hell? And Rizik was like, well, you know, most of my family, I don't like them all the time either. But then they got into the whole discussion about how Adam was like, I'm not even sure if I know who I am without that compass. Yeah. That part I didn't really get. Because I would argue that out of anyone else in intelligence, Adam doesn't really have that. Like, Adam has the least amount of compass in him. Not that saying that he's a bad person, but, like, compared to everyone else, Adam, and we've talked about this before, Adam jumped in more on Voight's philosophy than anyone else. Yeah. And so, not saying, again, not saying that Adam doesn't have a compass, but, like, it just doesn't seem to add up with everything what I've thought. Hmm. <laughs> If that makes sense. Does that no, make it sense? Does. It does. It does. It makes perfect sense. Because, I, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, again, if we put it on a continuum of who's by the book and who's not, Ruzik's definitely more so on the void end. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And really, the only compass I see in this is him covering for his teammates. Yeah. That's why I'm saying I don't get that scene or that part of the scene. Yeah. Yeah, and if he's trying to atone for Al and Voight in that situation, maybe he's stepping in to protect Antonio because he knows Voight won't. Wait, say that again? I'm trying to, like, connect this to Al. And so, okay, so... Hmm. Like, what is Adam trying to gain from this in, try- in covering this murder for Antonio? I think he's doing what Voight t- what he essentially learned from Voight. That's, I'm, I mean, that's what I think. But did he learn it from Voight or did he learn it from Al? 
He learned it from Voight. Because if you look at season five, Al took the fall for Hank. Hank did nothing and it cost Al his life. Yes. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't understand what you're trying to say. I'm, I guess I'm trying to make sense of why he would do this for Antonio. And, um, you know, like, it's like you're saying, you know, he's basically doing what he learned from Voight. But I'm wondering, did he learn that from Voight or did he learn that from Al by what Al did last season? Well, he had to have learned it from Voight. Uh, I see what you're saying. But I think he was trying to do what Voight should have done for Al. Okay, okay. We're making headway now. Because if he's if he did it from Al, if he did what Al did, like Fruzik wouldn't be alive right now. You know, right. like he's trying to do what Voight should have done for Al last season. Yeah, he's basically trying to do what Al what Al couldn't follow through with. I'm not making sense tonight. <laughs> no, he He's trying to do what Voight should have done. Yeah. And that is stand up for his friend. Yes. Well, no. No, Voight should have stood up for Al. Voight should have taken the fall and owned up. Yes. Yes, but that doesn't make... I know it it doesn't make... We gotta move on. We're gonna sit here for... We gotta move on. Yes. I'm gonna get to... I, I have to think about it when I have a... When I'm not, like, dead... Um, and like, actually, I know what I'm trying to say. We got to move on though. I, okay. I'm not, it's not going to come out right tonight. Do you want to read what Haley sent us? Yeah. So Haley said, um, the situation between Shem about the roots again and Tony stuff makes me think of an interview Patty did last year where he, when he was the mole said he was jealous of Burgess that it was so easy for her to side with the unit over Matt, but he was struggling with working for Denny because he had to protect himself. Do you think Antonio was jealous of Ruzik that it was so easy for him to prove his loyalty, but Antonio couldn't because he had more to lose? No. No, I don't think he's jealous. I Antonio really seemed like kind of a deer in headlights last night. Yeah, no, Antonio's not jealous. That I, I see where Haley's coming from, and I think that is like an interesting thought, but I don't think that's the case. I don't know... I think I definitely agree that it's more of a deer in headlights thing and that he just, like, he just went down a rabbit hole. Like, because if you remember, I mean, like, back in season one, he was strong on the fact that he was loyal to intelligence but without compromising himself. Right. And now he's just lost because yeah. he did, in some ways, he didn't compromise himself to the standards of intelligence, but he compromised himself in that he took drugs or started tough turn to drugs yeah. yeah yeah he's definitely lost so yeah yeah and then she went on to say you know my frustration was that antonio had every opportunity to help ruzik and he wouldn't do it even after their conversation like why do you guys think that is i think that's the mystery for I, me is like why the hell wouldn't you step up why didn't you do something because and this is gonna sound so terrible but like Ruzik is making the sacrifice because Antonio has kids, right? 
And, like, I mean, on the one hand, I would have said that, like, if you really wanted to think about your kids, like, you would just go ahead and, you know, not drag them down by proxy, like, into your mess. Uh, But, like, I think at the end of the day, he sees what Ruzik did for him as a gift that he gets to then, you know, hopefully clean himself up and, like, go be with his kids. And, you know, sometimes it's easier to swallow. It's just, you know, take the easy way out and go be with your kids. Yeah. So. So Allison G said, I really thought he would confess to prevent Ruzik from going to jail to show that he was better than Void. Oh, you read that already. Yeah, I read that part already. Okay. You skipped down. Skip, skip. Okay. So presumably now Antonio's gone, and that is the end of the Dawson siblings on the One Chicago shows. It's kind of crazy. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. So, I mean, I just kind of wanted to take a moment to, like, reflect on their legacy, because if you really think about it, both of them left on such negative notes that I really wish they hadn't. I really, like, I feel like they both deserve better notes to end on. Yeah, but I think, I mean, we've talked about the Gabby one, you know, like, Derek was in denial that Monica was leaving. Yeah. And that, like, he really thought he was, like, she was, like, messing with him. Um. And this one, I mean, obviously it still remains to be seen if whether this was actually truly Antonio's exit or whether he's coming back for another episode or two, but, like, God. Which, like, he needs to, right? I mean, they can't just start 6 or 701 and be like, yeah, Antonio's in rehab. I don't know. There's a lot of I, – I don't know. I know. I know. But – yeah, I mean, 701 I, is going to be a doozy. That's all I know. Yeah, it's going to be crazy, crazy. But, you know, at the end of the day, the Dawsons weren't perfect and they made mistakes along the way. You know, it doesn't make them bad people. It just sucks that they left on such sour notes on both accounts. Yeah. Hmm. But in positive news, you want to talk about Jay and Upstead? Oh, my God, yes. Go talk. Please. Okay. So let's start with this. So basically, again, for reasons I don't really remember because this case, I don't really care, (laughs) like the case case. Basically, they're like packing guns away or like getting guns out of storage, whatever they're doing. And Jay and Upton are having this talk. And she, they're pretty much talking and, you know, they're talking about the future and, you know, what happens if intelligence still gets split up. And Jay's like, yeah, but I'm going to follow you. Or what is the, what is the exact wording? I don't have it written down. I'm going wherever you go. Yeah. Oh my god. I know. It's and he pretty much says like you know good partners are hard to come by and I about died. Yes, and that was Upstead moment one of like multiple. Yeah, and then there was the moment where. They get shot at, and you know the one that we saw in the trailer. That's or in the promo that's, like, literally two, not even two seconds. It's, like, a millisecond. Like, it literally even happened so fast last night, I, like, was looking at my phone, and I, like, looked up, and I was like, wait a second. I missed that. Huh? Have you seen the stills from that moment? Like, the the screen caps? Uh Uh-uh. So, like, I mean, obviously they're in this van, right, and they jump behind this desk. I mean, that van is just, like, littered with bullet holes. 
So, like, I guess, thank God that they jumped behind the desk. And I'm guessing that desk was, like, bulletproof or something. Because, damn. Yeah. It's crazy. But also, don't forget, he grabbed the Kevlar vest and put it over her. I know. God. Such a good partnership. Okay. But before we go to the last scene, because there's this... There's this Hank and Jay scene that we have to talk about first. If yes. we're going to go, like, in chron- like chronologically. So, Jay and Hank are in the stairwell. And Jay comes over to him and he's like, I need you to tell me, you know, basically exactly what Void's always said. You know, like, I need you to tell me exactly what happened so that, like, I know how to, like, handle this. And Hank's just like, no, like, you know, no, like. And Jay, I mean, Jesse had some great acting in the scene. Like, phenomenal acting. Yep. And Hank tells him, he's like, I, you know, I'm going to see Kelton, do what needs to be done. And then he says, he says, you know, Jay, this unit's going to be yours one day. Do it the right way. And we were, like, last night we were like, what the fuck? Like, what does that mean? You know, like, what does this mean? You know, whatever. Well, yeah, because I took do what needs to be done. I was like, well, what does Voight want him to do? What needs to be done is what Voight's about to go do. Yeah. And so you were like, did Jay kill Kelton? Like, I was like, no, 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 I'm Gina. No. For a split second. Uh, But then then today I was rewatching that scene and Hank doesn't tell Jay what do what needs to be done, meaning like handle it. It's a pause like in his own sentence. He says, you know, like I'm going to see Kelton do what needs to be done. And then he says, Jay, this unit is going to be yours one day, do the right thing. And I think he's telling Jay without actually telling him that he was going to go take care of Kelton and that he's leaving the unit to him if he were to get caught for doing whatever you know, doing, at the moment, we didn't know that he was going to shoot Kelton, or somebody was going to shoot Kelton, so, like, presumably if he were to get caught for doing what he did, um, and, you know, that he trusts that he's taught Jay everything he needs to know to run the unit in the right way. Oh, my lordy. I know. And, I It's mean, crazy. The next scene is when he walks into the bullpen, and he's got, there's, like, realization in his face, like, he knows exactly what Voight just told him. Yeah. Yeah, but it's also just so interesting, too, because, like, we were texting about it this afternoon, you know, it's kind of full circle because Jay always wanted Voight to let him in on anything, on shit, and Voight's always just like, nah, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, like, I don't need to, you know, I don't need to loop you in, and then now he did without even so many words, and it all just kind of clicked for Jay, it's like, oh, like, it's kind of like a full circle moment, yeah. um, so, it's yeah, so crazy. Yeah. Uh, But I think the thing, too, that was interesting about um, that I kind of made another connection with, too, from, like, a very early on in season one episode that I was rewatching today for just because. When he says, you know, like, do it the right way, I, I like, thought about this moment that I'd watched an episode earlier um, in episode 105. So very, very, very early on. He is 105. Yeah, it's 105. Uh, Jay and Antonio were talking, and Jay's talking to Antonio about whether Voight's, like, a dirty cop or not. And Antonio's like, I don't, you know, I don't really get into that. Like, whatever. Like, that's not my business. And Jay just pretty much asked him, he's like, you know, I'm just really trying to figure out, like, do I learn from him or do I distance myself? And Antonio was like, both. And now... It's 
in the scene, they're at the boxing gym, and then Aaron comes in, and Justin's just gotten out of jail, and that's the first time Justin and Jay meet. And oh my god, like, yes, awkward. I remember that. I actually yeah. have a script for that episode. Yeah, so that's it's like the very opening scene of that episode is them having this conversation. Um, but I just thought that was interesting, especially because I was watching that earlier, and I wasn't watching it for that particular scene. I was just watching that episode to watch that episode. Um, and so the fact that I saw that and I was just thinking about what, again, what Hank said and that, you know, like do it the right way. And that like, I imagine Jay running the unit being somewhere in the middle, like somewhere in the middle of between distancing himself from Voight and like learning from Voight and like taking all that together. And like, that's how he'd run the unit. Yeah. And I think that's kind of how they started running the unit this year, like somewhere more in the middle ground. Um, but yeah, I just the I just thought that was an interesting connection too. So, yeah, I mean, that moment meant a lot more than just two guys in a stairwell talking. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Allison F said, um, you know, she said, speaking of Jay, that scene in the staircase with Hank, um, I've never seen Jay that fired up. He's always been passionate about what he believes, but last night was different when he wanted to protect Voight instead of just sitting back and letting Voight do what he thinks is best. Voight's right. Jay will indeed be in charge someday, you know, in, say, season 15. Um, I think it may be sooner, I mean, temporarily, but, like, it may be sooner than we think. So you think season seven's going to start with Jay in charge? I mean, something similar to that, Yeah. Because I got, like, I got vibes in that very, very last scene when they show up. And, like, Jay can already tell, like, this is his, he's in charge now. Yeah, in charge of the three-person team that he's inheriting. But, yeah. no. It's like the Hunger Games Chicago PD version. (laughs) Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think he does. I think think he's going to be, I think, I don't think they say that just for season 15. I don't think they say that he's going to be in charge someday. Yeah, they wouldn't say that and then not do anything with it. Yeah, no. So should we talk about the very last scene? Yeah, go ahead. So the very, very last scene, Burgess, Atwater, Halstead, they show up and they're like, what the hell? And they're like, yeah, we don't know. We just got here. We just got the call. They run inside. Kelton has been shot in the heart. And his body is just laying there. Kelton's dead. And we cut to Voight just driving away. So who killed Kelton? Voight. Now, I feel like there's three possible killers here. Could be Voight. Could Voight. be Antonio. Could be Brennan. Yeah, I think those are the most three. I... It seems too obvious for me to say Voight, but, like, God. It's, I think it might be Voight and Brennan. Hmm. Like, they were working together. I don't think it's Antonio. Antonio just got high. That's all he did. I, I don't think it was Antonio. Interesting. I mean, essentially, whoever killed him killed the mayor. Yeah. That's insane. I know. Crazy. So 
So basically, Kelton's dead. <laughs> Chicago has no mayor, and Burgstead and or not Burgstead, Burgewater and Upstead are <laughs> the four-person team handling all of the crime in Chicago. It's crazy. It's so crazy. Four people. I know. This is why we bring Nick Wexler back. I'm just saying. I'm totally on board with that. I'm just saying there's plenty of space for him. There is all Not that there space. wasn't already, but there is plenty of space for him. Yeah, because not only are we down one member now, we're down like three. So. Yeah, because they never replaced Al. So we're literally down three. Literally. Down. We're literally down half the unit. Yeah. Insane. Crazy. Oh my goodness. So, should we read what Allison G said or should we wrap it up? Yeah, let's just read it because I think it is interesting. Um, just kind of like a more general question. Because, um, again, we, I mean, like, we literally said it. We didn't really pay that much attention to the case this week because it didn't really matter. Um, and she said, I'm not sure if that means – because she had a similar thing. She said, you know, I didn't really pay that much attention or, you know, it was harder for her to grasp. And she said, I'm not sure if that means they're making these cases too complicated when they get – when they're kind of secondary storylines or if it's just fatigue since this is our three of the – shows i think that aspect has been the only downside for me this year to having all three shows on one night you mentioned having similar issues you know following the case last week like so what do you think about how pd's approached the cases of the week this season i don't think their approach has changed i think i think it's fatigue from all three hours yeah i don't think their approach has changed i think i think it's always the same it's just because last year i think it was just easier to follow along with the case just because i mean it was just that one hour and done but I still had times where I was like, what? Why are they here again? Yeah. No, I definitely, I think it's fatigue. Like, 100%. And I mean, I love the idea of One Chicago all three hours, but it's a lot. Yeah. It's why we split up the live tweeting the way we do. It's a lot. It's so much. I mean, we're not complaining, but yeah, that's why we split the, the live tweeting into an hour and a half and an hour and a half. Well, and you're, I mean, you're lucky, I mean... It starts an hour earlier for you because you're in central time. Yeah. So for me, I'm literally staying up till 11 o'clock, which is fine. I'm usually up till 11 anyway, but like still. Right. Like 11's a lot. 11's, 8 to 11 is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so. that's about it. Ruzik's in jail. <sighs> I know. It, other, it's crazy. It's so crazy. It's not okay. It's just not okay. Not okay. Do we have any other notes on PD? No, I think that's it. I mean, I I know there's probably 10 million things we didn't discuss. Um, but, like, there's just so much to discuss that, like, it's hard. You know, we want to make sure we get the broader strokes. But, like, if you guys have anything you'd love to hear our thoughts on, just tweet us or DM us or email us, and we'll answer them in an email. We just... There's a lot that went down this week in all three shows. And, you know, we try to hit everything. And we wanted to cover it all in this episode, but, you know, can only do so much. Yeah. So, Bryna, another season down. We did it. That's crazy. I know. Crazy. So crazy. So, we are taking next week off. Obviously, because there's no one Chicago on. Um, We're going to take a quick break and you will hear from us again at ATX Festival in Austin together 
I know. We've got some stuff lined up that we're hoping to pull off. We won't say anything about it now, but we, uh, yeah, well, you'll hear from us again at ATX Festival, and then we've got some cool ideas for the summer. So, or really, honestly, probably after ATX, because I, we may get it up during ATX. We may not. It may be like that Monday when we come back from ATX. Yeah, but, just being real. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes more. Just sense. being real, like. Yeah. But yeah, you will hear from us. We will record at ATX. Yes. Whether you'll hear it during ATX or not, TBD. And we've got some other stuff planned while we're together. So we're going to, you know, yeah. Just yeah. Keep, keep your eyes peeled. Keep your eyes peeled. So as always, guys, <laughs> you know where to find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Brenna. I am at Brianna K13. If you like the show, which we really hope you do, please, please, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate that. It kind of helps the show become a little bit more visible. And yeah, so we will see you guys at ATX Festival. And if you're going to ATX, tweet us and let us know so we can meet you. That would be cool. But yeah, everybody have a good weekend and we will see you in a few weeks. Bye.